0: Blog Talk Radio
1: Good morning, and welcome to Live Dharma Sunday. If you have called in to listen to this morning's broadcast, please note that all lines have been placed on mute to avoid background interference. If you are joining us from either the Bright Dong Ning site or the Blog Talk Radio site, please note that it is not necessary to call in. If you are experiencing loss of audio or the Blog Talk Radio player is not working properly, Please refresh your page and hit the play button once more. It may take a few moments for your browser to complete the buffering process. Once again, welcome to Live Dharma Sunday and enjoy the broadcast. Good morning and welcome, everyone, to Live Dharma Sunday for January 7th, 2018. Koyo here. So very, very glad you joined us. It's a new year. Yeah. <laughs> that time again. Beginning of January. Uh, the month of January, our months are named... Well, January in particular, for I was going to say either Greek, I get mixed up, Greek or Roman gods or deities. Um, January is named for Janus, who's a uh, kind of a deity that is depicted with uh, one head but two faces one facing one way and then the other face facing the other way. So that he could see in opposite directions at the same time, one head but two faces, um, or I've even seen four faces in all four directions. Okay, so this represents or symbolizes, I suppose, um, the virtue or benefit of having a lot, having different views, being able to see both sides of things and not being, having a narrow perspective on things. Um, Now, I often think of Janus when I think about the new year starting in January, new beginnings, when um, supposing the most basic perspectives are the past and the future. So you have one face that's looking backwards and one face that's looking forward at the same time, okay? Um, so you learn from, the, you reflect on the past, you learn from the past, and you look forward to where you're going. You got some new plans, new beginnings. January usually connotes new beginnings. It's the new year, okay? Even though time <laughs> is and calendars are all relative in a sense, huh? depending upon different kinds of systems, lunar and this and that. Okay. Not to get into that, but then there's all kind of uh, rituals like res- making new year resolutions, things like this. I think we all feel we want to go forward make new starts on things. How about on oneself? Well, that's what resolutions usually are about, Uh, wanting to make changes. And aside from uh, losing weight and common things like that, um, I don't know. There's different polls on how many people make resolutions, how many people don't keep their resolutions, and all this kind of stuff. I remember we had uh, a New Year's Eve get together at our home uh when we lived in the Chicago area and uh we had a local Sangha, Heartland Sangha, that uh <clears throat> so annually we had a New Year's Eve get together and uh over the years we did different things. Um had a, a bell, a big bell that I would put upstairs, and then people would go and ring the bell with a wooden mallet. This this bell, and we would keep track because in in um, in Japan, when we lived in Kyoto, Japan, which Kyoto is a very traditional city, very old, a lot of temples, a lot of shrines, and on New Year's Eve. One of the religious, cultural rituals was to ring ring the old year out, out, ring the new year in. And there's a custom of ringing the bells 108 times. Um, and this is a certain kind of a bell. Uh, it's a big bell, usually, you know, a stone, metal bell. And uh, it's it's hanging in its own bell tower. Um they small there's all kind of bells <laughs> I think uh, many religions have their two dads and Buddhism has um all kind of bells the bells I'm talking about are um big bells that sometimes weigh several tons and um, uh, they're ha- they hang in their own power, sort of, and some bells are sort of like, uh, of course, the community temples, Buddhist temples, take care of them, And but some of them are more, more community uh, bells, and, for example, there was one in the neighborhood where, on New Year's Eve, a couple of monks from nearby temple uh, manned this bell, and people in the community, they all walk up the this wooden tower, and to where the bell is hanging. And then the monks give them the mallet, and then you you hit the bell a certain number of times, and they keep track by using stones, okay, certain st- st- stones and a procedure where you keep track. Because and then they want to ring the bell 108 times, and that symbolizes. Usually, the interpretation is get rid of the 108 bonno. In Buddhism, bonno means human defilements. (laughs) I don't know what the proper word is, Uh, defilements or, you know, uh, human limitations. So we all have, you know, greed, anger, envy, pride, (laughs) things like that. 108, and there's a formula for why it's 108, Um, Six senses, past, present, future, you know, so many this, times by three, times this, and 108. Um, It'd be interesting to see the history of that number and so forth. A lot of Ojuzu or beads or malas um, have 108 beads, or they might have 54, okay? Or 27, uh, some variation of 108, um, but the the longest ones might have 108 beads. Okay, again symbolizing 108 bono, human defilements or limitations, and symbolically wringing those away and starting the new year fresh. Kind of an idea. And um, <clears throat> uh, I think resolutions also fall into the realm of wanting to improve or get rid of. <laughs> I remember one year at our gathering, everybody wrote a some personal quality that they wanted, you know, bad habit or a bad trade or something they wanted to improve themselves on get rid of, and they wrote it down on a piece of paper, you know. um, And then we we burned it in the fireplace. (laughs) And we, you know, uh, but those are the kind of things that we want to change about ourselves and pretty much we always fall short. Um, Unless we're kind of smart and we make a resolution that we can really keep and make, You know, uh, but I wonder when you start thinking about resolutions, about changing oneself, I read an article in the paper recently. um, It's a column written by a a professor of philosophy at Fresno State University. And uh, uh, he has interesting articles very humanistic, full of, uh, you know, folk wisdom and so forth. And this article was about resolutions and about whether we should be like rocks or, or like water. See, rocks are are solid, are firm, um, don't change much, okay? But water is very changeable, flexible. Which Which way is better to be? To be rock solid, or to be very adaptable and and being able to change when conditions change and of course, when you think about it, you can make a it's there's no one good way there's trade-offs um, you want to stand firm for something you believe in, and yet sometimes standing firm is being stubborn about something. That uh, is not in your best interest, really, huh? and uh, you know we have sayings that that kind of express these things, like a rock, or so and so is a rock of the family. You know, steady, firm, resolute, determined, really stands for something. Okay, but also we have a lot of teachings about water how uh, when conditions, circumstances change and uh, it makes all the sense in the world to change, but some people are stubborn because of their bono. (laughs) That kind of stubbornness is one of the bono, maybe, human limitations, okay? Ego-based, of course, self-centered, of course, okay? Things don't turn out the way you want in life, but you keep banging your head, he said, No, nah, I wanted it. I want this. Okay. So, this whole article was about, well, should we be like water or rocks? And he says, Well, maybe our New Year resolution should sample a bit of both. And he, and he talks about the, these things, you know. Um, and in a lot of cultures, like in Japanese culture, they, they revere the bamboo plant because. It's strong but flexible. Because sometimes when the winds blow, okay, and, of course, winds blowing, storms, means the storms of life, too, okay? And if you, if you stand, sometimes it's okay to be like an oak tree, huh? But when the wind blows, if you are not flexible, you, you know, your branches will break, whereas the bamboo will, you know, bend with the wind and then straighten up again sort of like um, seven times down, eight times up. You know, the old Daruma doll, that red pear-shaped doll in Japanese culture. It's like a bobo doll, weighted on the bottom, so if it gets knocked over, it falls over, but it rights itself. It doesn't say, no, I should not be moved, you know, uh, and so forth. So that's a... uh, Teaching again about, or oh, even the Serenity Prayer. You know, accept the things you can't change, and change the things you can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Okay, and in sense, this article made the same point that I was reading near the end. You know, where he says, "Yeah, we need to have both resolve and to be accommodating." You know, and the challenge is to know when to persist and when to yield, when to be soft. When to be firm. (laughs) And then, of course, the last paragraph is there's no rules to guide us here. The new year brings us new challenges. Okay. Each day provides an opportunity to be able to try to live as wisely and as well as we can. Uh, uh, Well, I think it does behoove us to think about this these kinds of things right at the new year's time. How do you, uh, uh, if you think January or a a two faced head, (laughs) okay. Uh, To be able to appreciate the past, be able to appreciate all the things that sustained you and brought you this far, you know, um, You shouldn't think that you did everything on your own, okay? We owe a lot to our friends and family, past teachers, okay? And yet, uh, how are you going to give back? Uh, You know, uh, it has been said that the way to successfully walk the, the path, the way, you know, one spiritual life is to do so with an attitude that you have an unpayable debt. Okay. Uh, Very interesting. I saw a small framed saying in my father's uh, study and it was was very small. It was on the wall. It was obviously a gift that one of his students gave him. uh, And it said, Gushaw forever, not enough. And then at the bottom it said, uh, December session, 1970, you know, 1975, whatever. Um, so this was a participant in a prolonged meditation session at the end of the year. And this was her experience or her realization or her teaching and she expressed it that way and gave it as a gift to her, her teacher. Huh? Say, if I got show forever, you know, in in gratefulness, not enough. Okay? That kind of an attitude of of indebtedness in a way, even though you didn't deserve it. Huh? Otherwise, if you say, oh, I deserve it, I work hard for something, I deserve it, or in a sense of entitlement, <laughs> you know, uh, Nothing wrong with those things, but I guess the thing is if you victimize yourself, you know, when when you hold on to something, when you need to let go, okay, uh, and you shouldn't be, be letting go all the time. There's times when you got to, you should be hanging on. So it's sort of like climbing a ladder maybe. In order to climb up the ladder, you got to let go of the lower rung and reach up for the higher one, okay? Should you be stingy or generous? Well, if your hand is closed like a fist and you're real stingy all the time, that's not going to be good, okay? But if you give too freely, don't take care. Of, don't be a little bit thrifty. Don't, have, you know, uh, and cause problems in, in your life, okay? So that's not good either to have to be too giving all the time to a fault. So I could talk a lot more about this, and I think it'd be fruitful. Okay, working out one's own thoughts and attitudes and perspective about these things. Well, (laughs) that's a job for the whole year, I guess. Okay, I want to introduce our guest to give us a dharma glimpse today. Renee Sayo, and just a minute, I got to, uh, hang on a minute, I got to put my computer screen back on. Okay, okay. Uh, Renee Sayo, she lives in New York, and she was part of our LM8 group. And she taped a glimpse for us today, and here she is.
0: The other day, my little dog, Box greeted me at the door when I came home, as he always does, and followed me into my bedroom, as he always does. He can't wait for me to take my socks off so he can grab one and run down the hall with it. Actually, he pulls my socks off because I can't get... Get them off fast enough for him. I don't really want to take my socks off sometimes because it's quite cold. But I really have no choice as he is jumping up and down and all around. He's on me like a monkey on a cupcake. He is beside himself with the most joy and happiness that I can't help but give him both socks. Well, this time, I said out loud to myself as I watched him race down the hall. I wish I could get that excited about a sock. Then it hit me. After all these years of watching him, why don't I get excited about a sock? Or maybe he's decided I don't need to wear socks. Either way, it made me think that maybe I should be that excited about a sock. Maybe I take my socks for granted. Maybe... I should be more grateful for the little things I never give thanks for. Is a sock really a little thing? Not really, I thought. There are no differences in illusions, I reminded myself. But taking off my socks made me also think of my earthing experience this summer. I've heard a lot about earthing this year. Many people were connecting to Mother Earth, Gaia, by going barefoot. No socks or shoes. The idea appealed to me, and so, immediately after having heard about this growing practice, I decided to try it, start walking barefoot in our backyard. At first, I was careful about what I was stepping on, looking every few feet ahead of me to avoid any unwanted surprises. It was my dog's yard, too, after all. I was soon able to let that go, however, and let myself just enjoy the experience of walking barefoot on the grass. As soon as I let my concerns go, I found going barefoot in my yard to be an extraordinarily wonderful experience. I felt really connected with Gaia. I loved how the grass felt beneath my feet, and how renewed and energized it made me feel. It was like walking on a soft, cushioned carpet, when walking over the beautiful green moss. Soon I found myself feeling very uncomfortable in shoes and would only go out in my bare feet. I never even thought about it after a while. This reminded me of one of the young farmers at our local farmer's market. He never wears shoes. He walks around barefoot while eating one of his raw vegetables. Even on the hottest days, he will be walking around barefoot on dark pavement. I love that guy. He is so cool and an example to me of how wonderful it is to be as a kid again and just run out the door without a care, a real sense of freedom. We put a fairly large garden in the backyard this summer, and I put a couple bales of straw down on the ground inside the fenced-in garden area. It felt wonderful to build the garden structure and put the straw down as a nice garden floor. Well, the straw looked so inviting, I took my earthing practice a step further and laid down on the straw and took a nap on it. Of course, Bach loved it as well and took a nap on the bed of straw with me. When the green beans grew, he would love to walk in on the straw and pick his little bean from the lower bed. Before long, I found myself not wanting to sit on the outdoor chairs or loungers anymore that were in the yard. Instead, I would lay down on the grass under a tree and look up into the sky through the dappled light coming through the leaves. My little dogs loved this. They thought it was so cool that their mom was lying on the grass just like they do. And we would all rest on the grass together for much of the day. I put a piece of straw in my mouth for effect or to complete the look. Now that the cold weather has prevented me from my daily earthing experience, I am already looking forward to next spring. Meanwhile, I am getting ready to teach a mandala class beginning in January. And as I prepare the classes, I am learning so much about the symbolism of oneness and our connection with Mother Earth and the universe, which is symbolic of my earthing practice. I find it fascinating that we are always being guided to that which we are ready to experience for our spiritual evolution. Earthing, connecting with the earth, mandalas, ancient geometric symbols, the seed of life, our connections to everyone and everything. The earth, the sun, and the universe nurtures us and provides us with all we need, even socks. My earthing practice reminds me to be grateful of all that is freely given. Thank you, Gaia. It took my dog back to make me stop and listen to what he was trying to teach me. Okay, I know he didn't know that. He just wanted my socks and shoes. But it does remind me how all life can be our excellent teachers and bring us back to our true nature.
1: Wow, wow, wow. Wow, wow, wow. Sounds like a dog barking, doesn't it? <laughs> in English, we say bow, wow. In Japanese, they say wan, wan. I don't know. In other cultures, it would be interesting to do a little study, the sound of uh, that animals make. But isn't it appropriate, uh, today's Dharma Glimpse, uh, that we're starting the year of the dog, according to the Chinese Animal Zodiac calendar. Um <clears throat> And indeed, we could learn so much from uh, from our pets, from our from our dog pets. And uh, even though, like was mentioned, they're not trying to teach us anything; they're just being themselves. Okay, but well, we could learn from them. Okay. Uh, well, one thing is how to enjoy <laughs> how to enjoy life at a very basic level. And and uh, I I think I've heard about as, as probably many of you have this uh, return to earthiness or um, uh, being connected to the earth and walking you know with barefoot and so forth and uh, I don't know the whole uh, I'm sure there are books on this and so forth but. Uh, Appreciating nature and uh there's something about um even in Buddhist tradition i I recall when when a was talking I had some uh, uh associations in terms of uh, ecology and um mother earth. And how there's a movement of echo sanghas or green buddha green green buddhas <laughs> green Buddhism people involved in this area say that it's a- that's a redundancy because Buddhism is very close to nature and natural laws the way things are okay as opposed to the way we want things to be huh? you know? and how nature and natural things is a tremendous teacher in so many ways, okay? Um, but, the, for example, one association I had was when someone, uh, you know, in, in Buddha's time, all kinds of uh, b- uh, belief systems or, or, or practices uh and One aspect was if you had a realization and, you know, sort of became a teacher because of this enlightenment experience, um, it had to be witnessed, okay? Someone couldn't just proclaim, okay, something. So who, who, who witnessed it? And so when the Buddha had his enlightenment experience and decided to share what he learned. The question was, hey, who's your witness? And it is said in the Buddhist literature that he pointed to the earth, said, wow, earth is my witness. Um, And when you think about uh, ecology Interconnectedness of all things, when you think about biology, when you think about physics, when you think about chemistry, when you you know all all the the natural laws that intertwine together um, Buddhism is very compatible with scientific uh aspects okay, and not the usual religion versus science kind of history. Um, In fact, I think the Dalai Lama has said, you know, if there's something that science shows in terms of natural way the world is, it's counter to something in Buddhism, then Buddhism should change, (laughs) you know. And of course, our history is, is, is heavy with, religion of a certain approach, um, God as a creator and so forth, uh, against science, against Galileo, against Darwin, against evolution, against, you know, all these things. And uh, it makes you wonder uh, what the perspective is. So that's, I think, all in there in terms of... uh, themes or topics. But what strikes me as, so, as important is, and this is true of, I think, my father's approach and what we try to do in Bright Dawn is find these realizations in your own life, uh, everyday things. So your dog is taking your socks, uh and then you start to ponder about it. Say, hey, how come I don't get so excited about little things? Do I take little things for granted? Hmm? This this is uh, one of the major things that the teachings are about. Okay? If it's not about your everyday life. Huh? And, of course, when I thought about the socks and, and stuff and sh- uh, and we do have shoes, most of us wear shoes, and when you think about thanking your shoes, my father was so, became kind of famous for, because he told us over and over again over the years to so many Sunday school children in his temple, thank your shoes, don't just throw them around or, you know, they protected your feet at the end of the day put them nice nicely together pat them say thank you my little shoes okay and this influenced so many children so, some became famous people and came back on uh brotherhood sunday or something and and shared you know many of them said mentioned this shoe teaching okay and uh <sighs> I think it represents the fact that we should, uh, you know, on the one hand, someone might say, thank your shoes. Hey, well, you know, there's something deep in there. And that's a good way to start off the new year. That's all for today's broadcast. Till next time, keep going. And you have a beautiful day. Thank you.